Welcome to the Guhei. In this episode, I'm talking with Julia Ruddock, a 2007 graduate of the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, hailing from company Hotel 4, Go Hogs. Julia was born and raised in Jamaica. At West Point, she demonstrated her love for all things international by studying Arabic in the Department of Foreign Languages. There, she submitted her spot as a top cadet in the program and earned the opportunity to study in Morocco while spearheading West Point's inaugural semester abroad initiative in the Middle East and North Africa. In her spare time, Julia fed her competitive nature by playing team handball for two and a half of her four years at USMA. Following graduation, Julia's goal was to serve as a foreign area officer in the Middle East or a foreign service officer at the State Department. But the needs of the Army prevailed. Upon commissioning, she served her five-year obligation as a combat engineer officer, during which she deployed to Iraq as the deputy officer in charge of the Army Corps of Engineers mission in Alambar province, overseeing post-conflict reconstruction and a budget of $100 million. Julia resigned her commission in 2012 and since then has led workforce development efforts across a variety of industries, including global banking, technology, and higher education. She is a founding member and former director of the Career Services Team at West Point Association of Graduates, or AOG. In her current role, Julia is focused on two things. One, growing AOG's portfolio of qualified companies looking to hire USMA graduates. And two, helping hundreds of West Point alumni pivot to their employer of choice by leveraging the power of the long gray line, USMA's alumni network. Since meeting Julia at the virtual 2021 Service Academy Career Conference, I've gotten to know her a bit and learned a couple of fun facts that suggest she comes by her talents honestly. First, Julia combines a personable and engaging personality with high energy, fierce competitiveness, and comfort operating in rough, uncomfortable situations. Now I know why. Fun fact one, Julia is the cousin of the former famed world-class professional boxer, Donovan Razor Ruddock. Second, it's easy to see why Julia excels in helping people identify their calling and land their dream job. She considers herself a nomad who has friends, family, and a place to lay her head in nearly every corner of the globe. Her superpower is empathy and her ability to see the world through the eyes of those in need. Or maybe her penchant for workforce development is in her DNA. Fun fact two, Julia has two sisters who share her career path as talent acquisition and workforce development professionals. Each of the sisters arrived at their career choices independently. What are the odds? However the stars aligned, I'm glad they did because Julia is joining us today to give us the guhei on how she helps the long gray line connect to meaningful employment and stay connected to each other. Let's get started. Julia Razor Ruddick, welcome to the guhei. <laughs> Hey, 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 William. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very excited to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Awesome. Happy to be here. This is going to be great. Excellent. Julia, the first thing I'm curious about is how does the executive officer of a 120-person U.S. Army Corps of Engineers unit responsible for $100 million in post-war construction in Ramadi, Iraq, transition to a subject matter expert in workforce development, talent acquisition, employer relations, and employee engagement. Those career paths seem very divergent. Please connect the dots for me. I tell you what, it's so funny because that is a question that I receive every single time. I've actually gone for a job or a role to be considered for a new opportunity. 
have to keep people on their toes, William. I am uniquely me. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> How I ended up in workforce development and career coaching is a little bit of when one door closes, another opportunity or another door is going to open. I've also been very deliberate with my career trajectory. It definitely wasn't a fluke. After I was recruited by Citigroup in 2012 to join the first cohort of their military officer leadership development program, I fell in love with enterprise-wide projects and initiatives that really involved helping people become better versions of themselves in their respective roles. I was a firm believer that if you can, in your particular role, in your department, in your division, become better at what you do, there's no reason why the overall organization would not also improve. After I finished the program part of the MOLP, I was promoted to senior vice president and ended up securing a role as chief of staff to the site president for City Tampa. In that role, I wore so many hats. I was able to flex my muscles and core strengths from the military in things like being able to pretty much make friends with anyone. <laughs> bringing people together from the community and from internally within the organization to rally around a common goal. And of course, just being a regular officer or team leader, leveraging their core strengths so we can rally around something of a common nature that we can use to then position ourselves for whatever our next success story might be like. Right. In this role at City, I wore multiple hats. Inside the organization, I was the chief of staff, and a member of the site leadership team. On the external side of City, I was the head of communications and public affairs. I got to essentially bring people from the community to pull together folks like the Chambers of Commerce, universities, economic developers, and so on to bring them together to help them execute on Citigroup site strategy on talent and corporate social responsibility, which was essentially community engagement. It was in this role, William, where I fell in love with talent. I worked on a lot of cross-functional projects with the HR team, their other site strategy folks, and the universities. I had so much fun launching things like internship programs, military recruitment programs for city in the Tampa Bay area, working with McDill, and so on. This was my dream job. It was so much of a dream job that I couldn't just stay in one organization. I needed to spread the wealth. I needed to spread the love. I was like, you were all over the place. Absolutely. I really fell in love, not necessarily with the organization, but with this function of working with others within the organization, externally from the organization to build and execute on strategies to recruit people into their organization and also to retain them. That work led me to universities in the Tampa Bay area. It led me right back here to West Point on the alumni side as a founding member of the career services team. And I love it. I honestly can't imagine myself doing anything other than helping people move out from point A to point B onto their next success story. It sounds like it. And it sounds like you're really good at it. <laughs> you're currently leading the charge on military officer career transition for the West Point Association of Graduates. Tell me about AOG and your role. Who do you help and how do you help them? West Point AOG is similar to the Navy's Alumni Association. We're the alumni side of the academy, a nonprofit, the only one who is eligible really to do work on behalf of West Point. My role here at AOG is essentially one of our team members on the alumni services or support team. We're one of the career services teams. There are only four of us. There's myself, another grad, and two civilians who come from the military transition as well as the career services side from Columbia. It's a very small team of us. We work with all West Point grads. 
whether it's a grad who just found out that for some reason they're not going to commission on towards active duty. It could be a five-year JMO like I was when I left the army. It could also be someone who spent 20, 30 years plus in the military. Now you're looking for a new opportunity. And it could also be someone like us right now, William, where we're practitioners in industry doing our own thing, and we're looking to pivot to another opportunity. Our team essentially helps all West Point grads navigate each and every phase of their career transitions and their job search. We teach people how to define what their job search or career transition target is. Are you looking to pivot based on industry, geographic location? Tell me what it's all about. We work with them to give them essentially a roadmap for designing what their job search or career transition will look like. Everything from career discovery, marketing yourself through resume development, LinkedIn, and so on. Even more importantly, networking, building around yourself or plussing up your network in such a way that it's more relevant to where it is that you're looking to go. We've been able to assist well over 700 West Point grads since our launch in April of 2019. It's been about three years. I can't believe how quickly time flies. (laughs) It really does. I like that term, plussing up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that in reference to wardrobes, right? Well, people Ah. say, okay, for this meeting, plus up a little bit. (laughs) They want you to dress a little bit better. So I like the fact that you use that when it comes to the LinkedIn profile and how they tell a story. Yeah. In my experience, as I was networking, I came across several really good guys who did not graduate the Naval Academy. I discovered them because they have the Naval Academy crest on their LinkedIn profile. In other words, they're proud of the one or two years that they did before they had to leave. Mm-hmm. Do you help non-grads? At this time, we don't. It's really a matter of scope, but we do have a pretty robust LinkedIn presence. If you're looking to find us, we can assist indirectly. But right now, because the team is so small, we are looking to figure out how best to serve the broader West Point grad community. But at this moment, sadly, no, we cannot. I see the vision of AOG for the long gray line to be the most connected alumni body in the world. One of the reasons I started this podcast was to find out over time which of the service academies best serve the alumni. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put a challenge to you. Make the case for why West Point alumni is achieving AOG's vision. (laughs) I'll just give you my example. I never, ever have had to apply for an opportunity. Really? From literally the time I left, never, never. Even my deployment over to Al-Anbar, there was a grad there on the back end who pulled me in because I said, I learned Arabic at the academy for a reason. I'm not going to Afghanistan. I need to go to an Arabic-speaking country to do my thing. (laughs) Volunteered for that role out there with the Corps of Engineers. But since then, honestly, I have never had to apply for a job. Wow. It's always been the West Point alumni community there at some way along the experience me pivoting into these different organizations. There's always been a grad there, either as an advocate for me, as an influencer on the back end, making sure I'm plugged in in such a way that I understand what's going on and I can prepare myself accordingly. The West Point alumni talent pool, honestly, is vast. We're doing our own thing and we're so successful at it, William, that we almost tend to forget that we didn't get there on our own. We try to let grads know that it's not the apply, hopefully you get a call back type of world. You've got to get embedded in the practice of developing relationships, knowing who's out there within your broader network, who's got your six type of thing, 
and leveraging those connections to move from point A to point B. And oh, by the way, bring other people along the way with you. It's this last part that's really the vision of AOG, bringing other people along for the ride to ensure that you're also contributing back to the long gray line and making sure that we take care of each other. I think naturally this expands beyond just the USMA alumni community. It's going to touch everyone that we come into contact with. I don't know about Navy, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) I think you did a good job making your case. And I will say that this being one of my mission statements for starting the Guhe podcast was to see which alumni served their network the best. So far, I've learned some really great things. I didn't know anything about West Point, except for all the jokes between Army and Navy and that type of thing. But what I've learned is, boy, there's some great West Pointers out there. I count you as one of them. I cannot leave Air Force Academy out. They helped me to get the role that I'm in. Awesome. I just think the Service Academy Network is just tremendous. People are chomping at the bit to help you. Absolutely. But I can certainly believe that you've never applied for a role. But then again, you're so dynamic. You're so magnetic. You're a great communicator. I can see you walk in a room and they say, we're going to hire you for something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't leave the room until that happens. I can believe that. I have such fun with other people, just really helping them see themselves in a different light and really working with organizations to sell West Point talent and Service Academy talent because there are some amazing people out there. They really are. I have so much fun seeing where people end up from the very first conversation where they had no idea what they wanted to do to now being some C-level or something like that. It's amazing. And that's how I met you, William. To that end, I was going to say that you and I met when you moderated the Virtual Service Academy Career Conference. I wasn't going to attend that. I got talked into that by a West Pointer. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out it was time well spent. It was a few dollars. I didn't have to put on a suit or anything like that. I've attended two other career conferences. So at that point, I felt, well, why do I need to go to this thing? (laughs) I'm so glad I did. First of all, you did an excellent job moderating it. I was just so impressed. I had very low expectations for the conference, but I just came away very impressed and I made a lot of new contacts. Awesome. The Service Academy Career Conference is back to an in-person. In fact, you're just back from working two of them this year. Mm -hmm. I last attended one in 2019 here in D.C. My outside perspective looking in is the quality of the conference has improved. Do you share that perspective? Absolutely. I think it's really a factor of a few things. Now that there is a professional career services team at West Point, we're able to do a few things. I wear two hats. I talk with grads on a daily basis in a career coaching type of fashion, but I also do business development. All of us do business development in our own right. Everybody sells. Exactly. Everybody sells. (laughs) And when the product is the Service Academy alumni talent pool, I mean, come on, I can sell this in my sleep. I love grads. I love grads from all over the place. We don't say that too much, you know, with Navy and all that, but... (laughs) No Navy. (laughs) (laughs) I personally think that the SAC itself has tremendously improved because we've been able to do a lot of advocacy on our end when we're interfacing with employers. There are a lot of employers who may not necessarily have known about the Service Academy Career Conference. Maybe they look at themselves and they look at some of the huge organizations out there who attend these things, and maybe there could be a lack of budget. Maybe they don't see themselves being able to compete with these large organizations, and they're just some growing, smaller, mid-sized business just trying to make it, trying to attract talent. We work with them. We get to know their organizations inside out. We do a lot of work in between getting to know the organizations and getting to our grads to do a lot of that matchmaking on the inside. 
In addition to that, I think the SAC 27 years now and going has grown in popularity. I didn't know about the SAC when I was transitioning out. Now that we have a professional team, but much more robust communication strategy, working with our AOG communications team and the broader SAC teams, I see no reason why we've not been able to make strides in getting more grads to attend these events and to be more prepared, actually. I think that's what makes employers come back. When you can help a grad tell their own story, deliver that elevator pitch, draw out the relevant skills that make them the best things in sliced bread for those organizations they're interfacing with, assisting them in building confidence. Oh my gosh, the experience is just so much more rewarding. And employers have indicated that they appreciate these things and they themselves can see the difference. That's what keeps them coming back. First of all, I didn't know SAC was around for 27 years. It's very impressive to see what you're doing with SAC. I think it's just better in terms of how they are relating to the folks in transition. Some of the things that you mentioned, I just think the quality of it is better. And it almost seems like you're adding more companies to it as well. That is it. Totally agree with what you said. We're all about West Point grads. That employer and business development work, it's a lot of heavy lifting, but I think it allows us to do our jobs better. If we know the organizations better, then we can advocate for them to the grads. We can help spread the word a little bit more and definitely bring more qualified candidates right to their doorstep. There's no way they can say no at that point. That's excellent. Given your expertise, what's your best advice to alumni currently in transition looking to either jump to the next level or get out of a dead-end role and get into a new one? You've got to have an idea where it is that you're going because really nowadays, an employer is not going to have time. There are some out there. There are some recruiters and some hiring managers out there who will take the time to help you figure out what it is that you want to do. But this is not the norm. By the time you have those conversations, you will have already had to have done some in-depth getting to know yourself, understanding what it is that your job search criteria might be, and what are the levers that are driving your decision making. Once you figure that out and you figure out where it is that you're looking to go, the delta between those two things and you getting an opportunity, it's people. Network, network, network. It's such a cliche thing. But at the end of the day, people are the ones who hire people. Networking is one of the best things that we can do for each other and for ourselves even to help ourselves navigate from point A to point B. By networking, I don't mean blindly throw out some connection requests on LinkedIn and hope for the best. No, it's a strategy. It's owning your story. What do you say to that person in your initial outreach to them to ensure that they don't run away from that message? After they connect, what do we say to them? How do you share your story in such a concise way that they're able to walk away from that conversation saying, I'm either going to hire that person right now, or if I can't help you with a job or with something that you're looking for, maybe I know someone else who does. That's what it's all about. Indeed. If we can get very comfortable sharing our story, being able to own that process or that experience of the job search, I think that's 95% of the heavy lifting. The rest of it is just a matter of, is the person going to say yes or no? And we can't really control that, but we could keep it moving. You hit some good points there. It is all about people. It is very important from my perspective and my experience, learn how to tell your story. You're the best at telling your story. Nobody can tell it for you. I quite frankly was a person that didn't quite know what I wanted to do next but I know what I had done. And so it took some work to go back and pull the elements from the things that I've done and shape those into a story for a direction in which I wanted to go. The way I got that was talking to a lot of different people. With each person that I spoke with, 
I heard a different way to tell the story. I got ideas from them to help shape my story. And that's why I think it's so important to network. You hit on a great point. Networking is a structured process. I've talked to some guys who say, well, I'm great at networking. The problem is I don't usually get anything out of it. And then I say, well, you're not good at networking. (laughs) 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 Because as you say, just sending out LinkedIn requests and getting connections, that's not the objective. The objective is three things. You want to get information, you want to get contacts, and you want to get evangelists. If you don't get those three things, then you didn't really have a good networking interaction. That's it. That's it. I could spend a lot of time talking with you and learning new things. One thing I have learned is that if it's not on your calendar, it doesn't exist. That's the Julia Ruddick rule. So I'm going to ask you, what's the best way for someone to reach you and get on your calendar for a discussion if they wanted to? Find me on LinkedIn. I mean, literally, I'm on there every day. Just find me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Julia Ruddick. Not going to miss me (laughs) at all. Okay. No, you are a prolific poster. I'll make sure I put the link to your profile in the show notes so that everybody can see it. I do encourage everyone to reach out to you. I think you're fabulous to talk with, and I think they'll learn a whole lot. I'll let you out on this one. I think you have a very interesting background. Yet to end a call with you on time. I always end up getting into some deep discussion because you'll hit on something that makes me curious to find out more. (laughs) I enjoy talking with you when I can catch up to you. It's hard to get a hole on your calendar. You're very busy. (laughs) I know there's a lot more to learn about you. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell me something I've yet to learn about Julia. Teach me something new. Wow me and make me say, is that right? (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't know if this is going to be appropriate. If you have to lead it that way, it's going to be the best. (laughs) It's going to be the best. (laughs) That's too funny. I'm a nomad. People really don't think about this when they meet me. I'm never comfortable in one place for too long other than Jamaica. As you can imagine, this has led me all over the world. I've been to some really interesting places in the middle of the Sahara Desert out there with a Land Rover. My favorite car, by the way, is a Land Rover Defender 90. Good number, by the way, 90. Good number. Right? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I've been all over the place. And I think it's really allowed me the opportunity to meet also some very interesting people. When I was on my semester abroad through the Arabic department at the academy, it's the first time West Point's ever done a semester abroad program in North Africa or the Middle East or the Arabic speaking world. So it was myself and five of my other classmates who did this and launched this for West Point. While everybody else was busy at the university and all that good stuff, not me. I was never at school. I figured the first time in my life that I can actually have a regular college experience, I'm not going to classes. I am going into the thick of Morocco and I'm going to get lost. What? I never was in class. It's funny because I came back to the academy and scored the highest on the DLPT, by the way, for Arabic. (laughs) Wow. There's a thing at the academy called the Thayer Method. You're supposed to teach yourself before you get to class. I figured since I'm teaching myself anyway, I don't need to go to class. I'm going to go learn from the Moroccan people. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Throughout my excursions, I ended up making some really great friends, people I still talk to to this very day. On one of my trips down to the Sahara, I vividly remember this guy. I mean, the guy fell in love with me, William. I don't know what it was about it. He did not want me to come back to the U.S. Really great time with his family down there, spending time. 
I guess for them, I don't know if they've met a Jamaican, but they probably had never met an American who latched onto them and wanted to learn all about what it is that they did. I felt at home. I didn't want to come back. I did not want to come back to the States. I was very much happy in Morocco or Egypt, wherever I was most of the time. I had this guy on one of the trips where I returned just one of the weekends to visit his family just before I said bye. The guy had goats, cattle, camels, and everything lined up ready to go (laughs) for his proposal. You are a liar. I'm not lying. Is that right? It's the first time ever, ever in my life. Not even my own husband could have topped that. This guy wanted to propose to me so I didn't have to go back to the States. (laughs) (laughs) And I have pictures. Oh, God. Julia Razor Ruddick, I'm going (laughs) to declare it right now, of all my episodes, best is that right ever. (laughs) 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 Wow. That is an amazing story. I want those pictures. Of course. (laughs) Thank you very much. It's always a great time talking with you. I greatly appreciate you joining the Guhei podcast and sharing your experience and all the great information for particularly West Point graduates. But I think some of the nuggets that you mentioned also could help other service academy graduates who are in transition. Julia Ruddick, thanks for hanging out with me. Thank you. This has been awesome, William. Keep doing what you're doing. I think it's absolutely remarkable. I guarantee your messaging reaches a lot of people. Thank you, Julia. That warms my heart. Go Navy. You know the rest. We'll talk about that. Take care. I want to give another big thank you to my guest today. And thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And more importantly, tell another shipmate to do likewise. The more shipmates are talking, the more opportunities we will create for each other. For show notes on today's episode, please go to theguhe.com. Until next time, I'm William Jones. Keep chopping wood.